Good evening and welcome to the Com Center. We are a video-based podcast that provides insight and entertainment through the point of view of 911 dispatchers and other first responders. I'm Drew Breezy. I'm a former 911 dispatcher and a retired police officer. My partner, John, is a current 911 dispatcher in a location that is undisclosed. Tonight, we're going to cover a dramatic 911 call from Sparks, Nevada, where a gentleman with a chainsaw at a Motel 6 was trying to make it a Motel 3. All that and what it means for your weekend tonight on the Comm Center. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Shootings in New York City have more than doubled this year. Stop. This is the number one podcast and platform where we entertain and enforce, inform first responders and our friends. Tonight it's the Com Center. It's the best show of the week, in my opinion, because I'm here with veteran detective Andrew Baxter, Drew Breezy, the host of our show tonight. I'm John. I'm an active dispatch in the field somewhere out there. Yeah. Drew, how are you, buddy? How's it been this week? Are you finally feeling better? Yeah, I, I think I'm finally feeling better. I was able to get a full breath. So both lungs were filled at some point today. Uh, there yeah. was uh, there was some kind of weird disease running through my home. However, um, it was uh, I don't want to get graphic, but there was a lot of stuff going on, a lot of moving parts. But yeah, I'm I'm good. Everybody else is good. Everybody's uh, ten fingers and ten toes. And man, I'm just uh, happy to be here with you, John. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> earlier this week on True Crime Tuesday and Halloween, no less, uh, I may have mentioned that on Friday you guys have a special guest coming up, but. In true John fashion, I couldn't remember his name. So before you say his name, let's do our entire show so we have time to figure out who that person is. So well, we can mention it. Let me go. In, let me go in true Drew fashion because we've had to reschedule the guests for tomorrow, and we're going to talk oh, okay. about the uh, hockey incident tomorrow instead, and we're going to talk about uh, sports deaths and uh, kind of what it's uh, what it's like from the police perspective of having to investigate something that occurs in the middle of a sporting event. Uh, it seems to yeah. have created a, quite a bit of controversy. But next week, next week is a fellow by the name of Tom Rizzo. He's a captain in New Jersey, and he's uh, the, the uh, author of the book called Kapikaze, and uh, that's next Friday we're going to do that. Okay, so that'll be <laughs> exciting, and I'm going to try to remember Tom Rizzo's name in my mind yes. for, a, for a full week, try to remember that. Uh, we're still kind of shaking off uh, the old s- suitcase trilogy. I mean, that was kind of a whole thing, wasn't it? I mean, I, c- I kind of miss talking about her. Uh, I kind of miss talking about uh, interrogations. It's been, you know, six days since I've spoken about any kind of form of interrogation. I was supposed to interrogate a dog. This evening, yeah. live on, uh, we are, by the way, simulcasting on uh, a couple Facebook pages to include, if you're not part of this, the face group, Facebook group known as the Com Center, please join us. Uh, you don't have to watch the, the broadcast there, obviously, but uh, it's broadcast live. We're also on Rumble, and we are on YouTube on the Failure to Stop channel, but we're on Rumble on the uh, Com Center channel. We're kind of all over the place. We're just trying to make it as accessible as possible because John's beard is something that everybody should see. 
Speaking of accessing us, if you want to talk to us live on the show, you can call us at 848-COM-911. That's 848-266-6911. Nice. You can, re- you can reach out to us directly. We've got a cool show for you tonight. Uh, it's a case from 2020, so it's, uh, I think, our, our suitcase case was also from 2020. So it's the it's the best of the COVID years on uh, on Com Saturday night. Uh, I'll hit uh, two ad reads, and then I'm going to save a third one because I'm learning that if I do all the ad reads later during serious flapjack time, I have nothing to fucking talk about. Yeah, and it's embarrassing. So I'm going to I'm going to do two. And I'm going to save one. So, Deadlight, get ready to throw up those graphics because I'm going to talk about Ghostbed. Folks, this show is brought to you by Ghostbed. Ghostbed is a great company that tries to build better mattresses and make them more affordable and spread them all across this wonder, wonderful land. They support first responders uh, to include dispatchers, uh, EMTs, firefighters, uh, our veterans. Ghostbed's a very good company. They've been a, a proud sponsor of Failure to Stop and all its ancillary shows since way back in the beginning, back before old John came around these parts. You go to the go to the website, use the offer code Wolfpack, you can get an incredible deal. I believe right now they're offering possibly up to fifty percent off, which is insane. It's like how do they even go on as a company, you know, offering half off. But I believe our code is normally good for forty percent. But go over there, see what you can see, see what you can find. Go go navigate through the website, check out their deals, check out their uh, proprietary adjustable bases, their cooling technology, the cooling sheets, the cooling pillows, the stuff that's just bound to keep you cozy all night and give you a great night's sleep. Fully recharge your mental health that you need to go out there before you uh, take on the world as a first responder. They have very reasonable financing, zero percent down and zero percent credit. Even if your Josh Deadleg disappear for a week media, you can go in there <laughs> and you could get a ghost bed. Uh, tell them Tansy and the gang sent you by using offer code Wolfpack. Folks, that's how we keep Failure to Stop going. If you like Failure to Stop, support our, so support our sponsors because they support us. That's the best way to do it. By the way, Josh Deadleg has returned. He is in house tonight screening your calls. So if you if you do happen to be uh, a big dead leg fan and there is only one or two of you, call in. You can talk to Josh. You can listen to us on the phone while we uh, screen your calls for up to and above 69 minutes. Uh, our other sponsor that I'll get to is uh, I'm going to do uh, Officer Privacy. As I like to say, you are only 8 or 12 hours away from being on CNN, from having your face Paraded out there in front of everyone. Look what Officer So-and-so did. Of course, we'll all be standing behind you and applauding you, but the rest of society out there that wants to change policing as we know it, as we so often hear, is not going to be behind you. They're going to be getting on the interwebs, looking up you and your family. Uh, all this information is already out there. Information brokers have that. Uh, even if uh, an unfortunate day never comes that you have to take a controversial police action, you still want to protect yourself. Don't be a chump. This is like another form of insurance for you and your family to protect yourself and your identity. Even if you're not a police officer, it's a good idea. They're gonna, they have a full suite of tools that are going to help you obfuscate and remove information from the Internet about you to keep you safe. So go out there. Go to officerprivacy.com forward slash Wolfpack. We've got good deals for you out there. Uh, and as I said, I will save our surprise third sponsor, who I've mentioned over 1,000 times on the show. I will save it for the end. Uh, so with that in mind, Drew, did you want me to, to transition smoothly into some news or did you? Oh yeah, that? please transition smoothly. I, I'll, I'll transition to this. I, I, I don't want to, I'll foreshadow your potential flapjack, uh, ad read. Um, I had a factor meal for dinner this evening and it was fantastic. Did you know? Yeah. What did you have? If you don't mind it, my asking. It was the, uh, grilled chicken and 
uh, I can't remember, uh, maybe garlic mashed potatoes or something, but it was, it was, it was wonderful. Is that why you're in such a good mood? Is that why you look so healthy? It does. Vitamins? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been eating clean for about two hours now, so I, I, f- yep. I feel great. I, I should look pretty virile. Um, I had to you adjust look, the contrast on my monitor. What's that? You look robust. You look fit to fight. <laughs> Thank you. Like normally you look kind of like your dragon and like anything could happen. Like if you and I had another fight, because we did fight in the streets of Clayton last April. Yeah. And uh, interestingly, no one ever asked us about the result of that. No one broke brawl. us up either. Um, and, no. <laughs> you know, but it was a result of the skeet shooting competition that we had as well. So Yeah. they were People were throwing a lot of money at you. Does that mean <clears> they were betting on you? I guess I don't know. Well, that wasn't the full reason. That's under. maybe that's why I got sick while I was there. And uh, well, could have could have been because we weren't fully clothed. I mean, yeah, it well, was I really mean, unclear what was going on right. there for a little bit. I had later hosen. Um, Guinness Zero is my uh, favorite. Uh, is my drink of choice now. So, uh, cheers to all of you. I'm also drinking an orange beverage of some flavor and variety that does not sponsor the show, so I will not mention vitamin C. Vitamin C. Some vitamins. Uh, Josh Deadleg, uh, formerly a police officer in Hawaii, if you listen at all to Patreon, which is another great way to get more Fire to Stop content, he had many episodes of a show called Down the Pole, which is not what you think it is. It's actually about firemen. He and Chief Keefe did a long uh, expose checking in on the Maui fires that burned uh, all summer long. Just a reminder that actually did not like vanish from existence just because now stuff's going on in the Middle East. We still have uh, United States citizens and people of the kingdom of Hawaii who are displaced and going through a terrible mess, and no one's talking about them anymore. But uh, there is an article here from Hawaii News Now that talks about 911 dispatchers, and you have to wonder what was going on over there for those guys just because this is a show that talks about dispatchers for dispatchers and speaks for them. Hopefully this article does them some justice, but this is from uh, Hawaii News Now. This is in Wailuku, and I apologize right now for pronouncing that wrong. I actually asked Josh how to pronounce it, and my brain erased it, so I apologize. (laughs) This is what they say. Uh, They're often overlooked and underappreciated, but some consider them the first responders. They answer the call in the most difficult moments. On the day flames tore through Lihana, leveling the town and leaving at least 99 people dead, Maui County dispatchers took more than 4,500 calls to 911. On a normal day, they get about 1,600. More than two months later, some of those dispatchers are speaking publicly for the first time about what it was like to be on the other end of the phone for so many who were so desperate. Quote, it finally hit us when we got that first 1015 button. The emergency button that our officers and firemen can press if they are in an emergency situation, said dispatcher Amelia Johnson. When we heard that call and quickly heard the Mayday call, that was when it hit home. The Mayday was from a fire captain who had lost consciousness and was suffering life-threatening injuries. It looked around the room and everyone, tears coming out of their eyes and still doing a great job. There was no time to give up, to walk away, to take a break. None of that, said Johnson. Johnson, a Maui native, is a Maui County Emergency Services Dispatcher Supervisor. She has been a dispatcher for 15 years. She comes to work early on August 8th to help with the flood of calls coming in. Quote, some of us had children missing that were working in Mahana. Some of us had family members that we did not hear from and who live out there. We knew we had first responders, officers, and firemen that were working there and losing their homes and not knowing where their families were, she said. We even had dispatchers who lost loved ones that day. 
Davlin Ricadio is a Maui County Emergency Services Dispatch Coordinator. She, too, was born and raised in Maui. She's been a dispatcher for 36 years. That's amazing. First of all, that's an incredible yeah. career, 36 years. But the average folks is seven. And 911 hasn't even existed in some places for 36 <laughs> right. years, just case in point. And uh, she was in Nashville when the disaster hit home. I was looking at our technology that could help our department in the state of Hawaii, she said. I called my husband to make sure he fed my people. I said, nobody's going to think about themselves because everybody's fighting the fires. You can please, can you please take care of them? She said through tears. So that's great. She called from Tennessee to call her husband in, in Hawaii to, to take care of her staff. Nine dispatchers were working at the height of the crisis, which is not a lot for an, for an incident like this. Nine is nothing. In the, the major city near where I live, they have nine on duty just as a regular day is nine for them. Uh, they started the day with four, so I, they did more than double their staff there. I had one girl who was on maternity leave and left her baby home with her mommy so she could come in and help us answer calls to help the community. Others that left our department and are working within other areas of the county, their supervisors allowed them to come in and help us, so other county employees. Unlike Honolulu and Hawaii Island, Maui County dispatchers answer calls for police, fire, and medics. Plus, they're the only ones in the state who can answer calls for three different islands, Maui, Molokai and Lanai. Sorry again if I mispronounced any of those. It takes a special kind of person who can answer those calls in, especially like what we saw on August 8th since Maui County Councilman Yuki Lee Sugimura, a champion for dispatchers. She has been fighting to increase their pay and advocating for them to be officially recognized as first responders, not as clerks, which is how they are now currently classified. They're the first call that comes in, she said. They're not clerical. And they're dealing with a very important role that we that they play in saving lives. Maui County is hiring 911 dispatchers, and if you're interested in applying, you can do that. You can be one of those uh, few proud people on the thin gold line in Hawaii that do an amazing job in extraordinary times. And honestly, we would be remiss if we did not talk about the fine dispatchers out there in Hawaii. I don't know if you can hear us. We don't have analytics that break it down by state, I don't think. So if you are out there, reach out to us, send us a message. Uh, you know, we're, we're proud of you for the work that you did, and uh, we're thinking of those of you who lost somebody or just, uh, you know, losing uh, people within your chain of your command or your partner agencies. That's, uh, that's, very, that's very tough, and I have no doubt it was the hardest day for many of you throughout your entire career, whether it's six years or 36 years. So good job to those guys. Wanted to recognize you. That's exactly and, uh, why we do what we do, though, John. I mean, it's, uh, it's, time, it's high time we give a voice to those who – don't get that kind of recognition always. And just think of the beating that they took, you know, like it's just, it's harrowing listening to every single call that comes in. It's, you know, uh, if you're a cop on the street or a firefighter, even that you're in the danger. And I, I understand all that. And you see your share of, uh, of trauma and, and, and all that, but the, the dispatcher can't do anything about it. They just hear it and they keep hearing it over and over and over. And there's an accumulation over a career of 35 or 36 years that, is unmatched anywhere else but then to boot you get a really really bad natural disaster like this and man it's just like how, how do you recover from that it's it's just you know obviously you're called upon to do that job and um a, a lot of them do do it silently and and thanklessly and uh, i just want to bring as much attention to the profession as i possibly can for that reason uh i, I think they uh are definitely underrepresented, and I think that they deserve way more than they're getting. 
We'll uh, talk about a 911 dispatcher tonight. We're going to kind of return to form. Uh, this case was given to me by no less than Calvin Coolidge, our, I believe, what, 30th president. Yes. He sent me a message saying uh, he showed me this video on uh, police activity, which is our source for this evening. And I went through it, and I spent about 40 minutes just going through the comments of people bashing this 911 dispatcher, people who have no idea what it's like to take a call about a man with a chainsaw attacking right. a motel. And they, they, they made some very stupid comments. I'm going to go ahead and call them out now because I already did that. But I did it in a professional way because, you know, I'm still a professional. But we're going to address uh, some of those things and so that they said. Uh, it doesn't mean it's not – there aren't parts that are not still going to annoy you as a civilian or as a police officer, but we'll go into that. Before we do that, the last recognition before we get going, Drew, I want to talk to some of the people that are in the chats. First of all, Felony Melanie, special shout-out to her and her husband who are ignoring this show to go yes. see Matt Reif in Ames, <laughs> right. Iowa. I want to tell you right now, Matt Reif is just the next Dane Cook. So someday you're going to be looking back on memories. Oh, do you remember that night when we went and we went and saw Matt Reif? I'm like, and they'll be like, yeah, he was the one in that movie with who was that? And you won't even remember. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, first of all, funnier, less expensive. I answer you on Instagram. I drove an hour so that I could do this show for you. You wouldn't have even had to go anywhere. I come into your house every Thursday. I forget where I'm going with this, but I, I'm better than Matt Reif. Is it possible you that been paying, is it possible? Paying attention to me? You're, you're. I think you're upset because Matt Reif is probably the next Dane Cook. Dane Cook did the movie about Costco, kind of. And I think yeah, that I remember that. Yeah, I think you're just burying old pain i like it's just resurfacing like you've sanded the surface now all of this uh costco pain is resurfacing if you don't know john was permanently banned from costco and costco industries uh and uh any subsidiary thereof he can't even get gas there um and he still won't tell us the real reason his sister knows but she's a shrimpy wimp and she won't she be doesn't know us. this happened this started when i was 21 i moved away she ain't no shit okay you can go ahead and try to ask christy m who is also in the chats she has no idea what the hell went on she just knows that really nothing can be put past me so also in the chats will cray my favorite friend from el loro minnesota he's proudly serving on the el loro uh, Department of uh, Underground Activities. Yeah, uh, he like works on pipes and stuff. I know that made it sound like he was a, a gang member or something. No, uh, Faulknerator is here. I'm not going to address you by your new nickname, which I find offensive and gross. I also don't like the one where it was like a, about the last true president or something. You need to go back to Faulknerator. I like calling you Foxy. I will not address you as anything else. Glad to see you here, even though I just yelled at you. Uh, Bone Cold Flea's Austin. Just wanted to say, go Cowboys to you. Uh, Brayden McCaha, Mc, McCaha. Brayden, I've never seen you here before. You said you would super chat us. I don't know if you did. I'm going to find out soon. If you did super chat us, uh, I'm glad for that. Um, Christy, I already said hi to you. Hello, sister. Good to see you. I love you. Salamander 2.0. That means she's back and she's better than ever. Salamander's here. Abby Ellsworth <laughs> on being a police officer. If you are on Patreon, she and I and uh, this guy named Jake just dropped an episode today. Worth a listen. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, who, anybody else? Honey Badger 640. I've not seen you in forever, Honey Badger. I thought you were dead. I wrote you off. I see that your membership has lapsed. That makes me sad. Tyler S. Welcome back. Welcome to the fold. I also bought you some lunch. Dead leg. Blah. Okay. I think we have acknowledged everybody. <laughs> Honey Badger, I'm glad you're back. If you wanted to just go ahead and 
hit like and subscribe. That would be great. There it is. Super chat won't go through. Brayton says four ninety nine. Thank you. That means after the show, Drew and I get to go split a pop. Thank you. We really appreciate that. It's very nice. We're going to go get one of those 64 ounces from the gas station, and we'll get two straws. Yep. Like uh, what, what? Lady and the Tramp. That's you yeah. and me. Yep. Uh, only the the moon's not full tonight, so <laughs> I don't know if that's amore. But all right. Shall we get into the, the 911 call? Is if there you, any other way? Oh, unless you want yeah, me to. Bearded Gamer Dad is two here also. Oh, he's. Yeah, go BGD ahead. is one of my favorites. So uh, unless you want me to go to uh, someone by the name of Captain Mike, I can do that. Oh, yeah. Put on a phone call just to break it up. I talk a lot. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's your job. Uh, Micah, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? I can. John, can you hear Micah? Hey, man. <laughs> hey oh you're happy so, thursday you're so excited hey micah <laughs> i am i i i haven't uh i'm excited about you guys' case i looked it up um do i have that. not we specifically used the told talk. you not to God well damn it. Let I, us entertain I, I do you. what i want um but i i just i haven't used a chainsaw personally in years i am familiar with the piece of equipment and the technology but uh, I'm I've moved on because now I can I can cut a piece of wood in half just by looking at it. So that's that's a true story. I saw it with my own eyes. Oh, oh, but um, bum. I have a sad button here. I need to like mark it yeah, so I know which one it is. I'm worried that if I hit just hit a button, it'll it'll clap you, and I don't want you to feel that energy of applause. So after the show, I'm going to, with a Sharpie, write sad or possibly just Micah on this machine so that I know when to, when to hit it. I thought of Micah. I thought of Captain Micah. I was on my way to eat uh, lunch with a friend in a little place outside of Tampa called Brandon. And when you travel through Brandon, like the heart of Brandon, it's, uh, it's called State Road 60, Brandon Boulevard, whatever. It's pretty populated now. Uh, I know you're familiar with it, John. So... Um, there's a place that used to be a Pizza Hut. It's very obvious, uh, actually an infamous Pizza Hut on, on Highway 60. A, a murder occurred there. And it's now called Faux Viet, right? They sell Faux. Uh, it's a Viet, you know, like Vietnamese uh, Faux Viet. Is it, isn't it pronounced Pho? It is pronounced Pho, but, uh, you know, if you're just going to shed all over everything I say, then... Uh, we, we we can go nowhere with this story. But uh, so Foviet, uh, I, I'm driving and I look over and I see this. Uh, I see out there, Micah, they're all on strike, all of them. Um, and I, you know, I'm saying loosely all of them because I don't want to get canceled. So, um, you know, there was just a lot of people out there on strike. And I, uh, so even if I wanted to go to Foviet, I wouldn't be able to get the Fo or the Fa. As John says, he, because he's you know he's correct about that. Um, so you know who you have to blame in this whole thing, though, don't you, Micah? The Foviet Union. <laughs> um, I'm so mad that I like that. I was, I was, you were like putting me in my place, so I was like, I'm not gonna laugh at this joke no matter what. I'm mad at but you. I really both. liked it. <laughs> don't ever like any of that ever again. Micah, you're a captain in our hearts. You're the captain of our hearts, and we can't uh, thank you enough. So uh, I'm I'm gonna hit the drop button like uh, like it's hot, and uh, you won't be able to speak to us anymore. Uh, maybe never again. Uh, John, bye, buddy. D- did you want to get? In- he can't even hear that. Did you want to get into the story? 
Did you, did you turn off his podcast? You literally cannot hear me anymore. Yes. Yeah. Let's do the show. Unless uh, I know Abby was super excited about this case. I don't know if maybe you want to talk for another like 40-ish minutes just catching up on our daily routines. <laughs> I got up this morning and, man, it was a little cold outside, so I wanted to start my Jeep, you know, so warm up. And then uh, now we'll get into it. I can't torture Abby. Yeah. Uh, at least not legally without a waiver. All right. Uh, so this uh, this call came in from Sparks, Nevada, which is one of our favorite police departments. It we is. actually covered a case a case of them earlier this year because they had an officer involved shooting in which they were absolutely chef's kiss. Did a great job. So doing this madman, doing CPR on him, and uh, it was just we we broke down that case. And uh, they're pretty good in this episode too. So like. We're we're about one oh. more episode away from having a Sparks Nevada trilogy. Yeah, so. let's go. Let's go with. Uh, hold, hold on a second. Let's. I, I know we're going to make Abby mad. Let's go with some trivia, of uh, some Com yes. Center trivia. What was let's. the name of the shopping center in the Sparks Nevada case? <laughs> I rem- it was, was it wasn't El Loro. It was something close to that though, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, the name escapes me. I was asking you. I don't remember. But oh. at any rate. <laughs> so you're, it wasn't trivia as much as it was quizzing me. No. Um, and then, then <laughs> it is trivia it because I had the answer when I gave oh. the question. Now, I embarrassingly, now you don't remember. Don't remember oh. it because I could picture the big red letters on the on the building. If you remember, there was a firehouse subs that they ran towards. Yeah, which was a, their, their natural instinct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, I'll think of it. Somebody will Google it yeah. in the meantime. We should actually do, uh, especially as the year wraps up, we should do like an all-time, uh, we could do a game show just of Com Center trivia just for the people who, you know, Micah will win or Will Cray, but I mean like, <laughs> or or David. Uh, but, you know, we could do a little something <laughs> there, you know, like uh, maybe. D- uh, uh, Vaughn's was the uh, was the grocery store in uh, in um, in California where I've yet to hear back from the uh, sheriff's department there, the L.A. Sheriff's Department, uh, on my public records request for the 911 call to hear that somebody actually called in a robbery. See, that would benefit the officer if they release that. So they're not going to release that. They're just going to send me terse and very snide emails. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I am going to hammer them in an upcoming episode. Uh, I, uh, I I haven't heard back from Ottawa County, which is obviously a very pro-alien move, and uh, I don't know if I can hammer them harder than Unsolved Mysteries did. I don't know if I could really Robert stack them. You know, like, the standard's really been set for that. But I'll sure try from my little platform. I'm coming from you, Ottawa. Um, here's a question for you. How many Walmart employees were taken hostage in the employee break room in the Walmart during the Evansville shooting? Oh, I'm going to go with three. I have no idea. Four, probably. <laughs> just so you're wrong. Because <laughs> I know one ran away or something. Yeah. I don't know. See, Do you see how we could do trivia, though? Yeah, it I- would force everyone to go back and watch the episodes and watch that's 4 to $5, $7 pour in from those rewatches, Drew. Yeah, easily. That's going to the gas station money, man. Yeah. So, and then the other thing is, too, like, what we can do is we could just throw out, like, general trivia questions like we're doing and not know the answers. Like, like we're genuinely asking people because we don't know what the answer is. <laughs> yeah, we forgot, too. Or uh, it could just be made up, like that time when I quizzed uh, Constable Canuck 
I don't know if you guys know this. I should probably come clean on that, but a lot of those questions were baloney. I, however, stand by the police academy questions that I asked our friend who uh, is switching over to becoming a police officer about a month ago or whatever. I stand by those. It was the Iron Horse, uh, the Iron Horse uh, shopping center. Iron Horse. Yep. That sounds right. It's where you fill your wang pills. That's <laughs> where so you get your wang pills refilled. Yep. Uh, all right. I guess we're probably just going to go ahead and do the show. So sorry, everyone. <laughs> I'll go ahead and start with a 911 call. And uh, I'm going to I'm gonna pause it as we go. I'm going to give you my takes because – and I'll tell you some of the things that these terrible people who are criticizing the 911 dispatcher said – and uh, I'm going to make uh, them look good and me look good and Drew look good. And here of we course. go. This is from Sparks, Nevada. 2405 Victorian Avenue. 2405 Victorian Avenue. Is this the motel set? Yes. And what room number? It's at the front desk. There's at the office. Yeah, with the chainsaw, trying to, um, trying to cut the table and stuff. Trying to cut what? With the chainsaw, he's trying to cut the table. Okay, hold on, hold on. So he's trying to cut a table at the office with the chainsaw? Yeah, he has a chainsaw. First impression, Drew. Um, Why is this a 911 call? It just sounds like a like a project, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a obviously, sculpture. It's obviously an emergency. <laughs> right. But, if, but if, if you're taking this 911 call and you have no context, right, you can't see anything that's happening there. You haven't heard this. The chainsaw thing's a bit unusual. I don't know that it's F-35 unusual, but he's describing someone cutting something with a chainsaw. So my first thought is like, well, there's a medical emergency. Cut off his finger. Like, what's going on here? Drew. Yeah, uh, I I didn't even perceive it to be that way. Like, I I do think she was probably taken aback by the fact that she's got a chainsaw call. Like, it's it's not, you know, and it wasn't, it was in May. It wasn't near Halloween. Um, No. And, uh, but, but he's like, he's trying to cut the table, so... It, it, it is. It's like, is this an industrial accident? Yeah, you're. You, you make a great point. Like, is this an industrial accident? Is this, you know, is this the handyman like on uh, Newhart that uh, yeah. has dropped the chainsaw at the motel, or is this, you know, Jason Voorhees? The reason, main reason why I bring it up is because when a dispatcher takes a 911 call, you have no idea what what the hell you're about to get. We have all these people on YouTube or who are clicking on this, even on this episode. They know it's about a chainsaw attack. This person's the first person in the public safety apparatus who found out about it, and she has no context for no, to know what it's talking about. So this comes, at, comes to you out of nowhere. So it creates a lot of confusion in your own mind that you have to overcome, and sometimes that's through repetitive or what some deem to be excessive questioning. So that's what we're going to get here in this call. You're going to get some questions, and you're going to be like, why did she ask that or that she's wasting time? And we're going to address some of that. Um, I had one more point, and I don't remember what it was, so I'm just going to go ahead and keep playing. Awesome. Here we go. Here we go. So he's on. He's because the door open and stuff. Okay. Is the office open right now? Yes, he's inside. Okay. And are you an employee? Okay. That's a great question because an employee is someone that has some idea of what the hell is going on. You can kind of tell she's she's almost sounding what the commenter said is she sounds so condescending. Drew, does this person sound like a kid to you? Huh? Yeah, a little bit. Huh? Uh, a little, a bit, little like bit. They might not know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Like, you know, uh, like trying to kind of sing songy, you know, get information out of them because of their age and. 
Uh, and I was having a little trouble with it, you know, when I first heard it the first time too, until like a little bit later, you, you know, yeah. like, and by the way, I mean, if it's such an emergency, these people in the comments on YouTube are killing me, not, not our people, but the people no. on the video, uh, of this call, they're, you know, like talking about a bad, how bad of a job she's doing and all this other stuff. But first of all, you try it. You know, under that kind of pressure, we're only in, you know, about 30 seconds into this call and she's already got the information out and, you know, there's people responding one and two, like what, what, what would you do? Like, what would you do that would be so special and so different? And, and no, I mean, who cares if she's being condescending? She's got to get the, she's got to keep that kid or person or whatever in reality to get accurate information for the officers that are going to respond. That's why the people are calling, right? Exactly. So uh, I remember what my last point was is Drew. What's your most bizarre weapons violation that you had throughout your entire career? Because you'll hear these calls go on the radio, and they're not even necessarily for you, but you'll just overhear them. Like uh, my my best one was uh, a weapons violation out at this man-made lake where like they do the cheesiest like uh, like fake ski shows, like boat shows. You know where people are water skiing around. There's a guy out there with nunchucks, and then the call got updated to say two guys with nunchucks. And I say, if you've got two guys out there with nunchucks, we have got to let this play out. The cops show up, they just form a perimeter, and they let these guys nunchuck it out because they've earned this. If they both have nunchucks, and if they're any good, you know we ought to be able to watch. Oh, I th- I, I yep. agree. I think we should be like form a circle, everyone. Um, yes, and then somebody play music. Money. Yeah, um, I, I don't. I can't tell you what my uh, there was. A, there was some kind of horse instrument. Um, it, it it involved a, a stick and a chain. That uh, this guy, um, my my old partner and I went, and uh, you know it was like they had horses on the property. It was kind of way off the beaten path. Um, no pun intended, but you know like. This family beat the living shit out of this guy with this horse thing, with the chain and all that. Um, and by the time it rolled around, it was a felony. It was going to be a felony trial. We were thinking, as prosecution witnesses, like we were thinking we were going to put away his, <laughs> the people he beat. Uh, but no, we were prosecution witnesses because they were charging him with some other crime, with, uh, with provoking or whatever. And I'm telling you, he got the worst of that whole thing. I think he got the wrath of that entire family. But, um, you know, that's the only thing I could think of off the top of my head. It was whatever this stick with the chain was. That stick and chain, whatever that's called. <laughs> yeah, right. I uh, just, just wanted to ask because I'm sure you've heard some good ones. and Maybe there's some good ones that, you know, you just forgot about because they're not that important. But I'll go on. Uh, so she's, you know, she's trying to, she's, in my mind, she's talking more kindly to him because she thinks he's a kid. She's not condescending. So here we go. Yes, I'm, I'm one of the owners. Okay, do you know who this person is? Is he a tenant? I have, I have, I have no clue. Okay, and is he white, black, Hispanic, or Asian? I believe he's Hispanic. Hispanic. Once again, just pointing out, we always offer the the whole Uno deck of cards to pick from on race because people don't want to say. And and I'll I'll bet too, John, if you play the fifty calls prior that she answered and the fifty calls after she answered. She sounds exactly like this. I, I can hear Probably. sitting next to her, you know, as a 911 dispatcher, 911 operator, call taker, and just like uh, being soothed by her motherly instincts and her telling us stories about trick or treating and, and everything else. And then, you know, then she'll throw in a really dirty story to make us all blush. 
there's something else that's interesting about this uh, nine-year-old hotel owner. Um, <laughs> you just got to excuse me, but he just he doesn't seem like. I mean, anyone that goes, huh? You know, it's clearly a child. Huh? <laughs> but uh, the person is the owner, and they have no idea what's going on. So in retrospect, as we find out some more information, that's going to be very strange. I'll keep it going as I continue with the person's description. Uh, Drew, uh, I'll kick this off. This is actually my main round of contention, so we could talk about it before we listen. You're a police officer. I'm a dispatcher. Uh-huh. All these commenters are saying, why is she asking 10,000 questions about what this guy looks like? He's the guy with the chainsaw. <laughs> but he's not going to be the because guy. Because later, because <laughs> later they saw the video that you're about to see where the guy's going full, you know, he's going insane with a chainsaw, right? Seems obvious. Yeah. But explain as a police officer why you are going to get on the radio and say, can I get a description of this person? Because the cop wants that, first of all. Yes, first of all. Uh, second of all, you, we're talking about uh, a bang, bang play here. And we're talking about a chainsaw. Uh, you don't want to end up confronting the guy who took the chainsaw away from the guy who had the chainsaw. So you certainly want you want an accurate description to know you're dealing with the right person to begin with. Um, you know, and you can make the argument of, well, everybody goes to the ground, and but nobody's going to go to the ground, especially the guy with the chainsaw. Um, there's just a couple of reasons. And on top of that, uh, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he wasn't confronted with a chainsaw. He was he was already in a vehicle, so uh, it's helpful to have a description of of who you uh, of who's committing this forcible felony. You know, it's it's very helpful to have the description because he may not be it may it may not be as glaring as it would be to somebody who just watches YouTube and comments on it. You know, yeah, some friggin' idiot like you, Jerry Stevens, sixty nine. That's right, I'm calling you out specifically. <laughs> friggin' moron. I, as what I said to him, it was like, okay, so what if the guy puts down the chainsaw and calmly walks away, or like there's a crowd of people or something? Another stupid comment that was made that I'm gonna just put out there and I won't even respond to it was this like this nine one dispatcher is so dumb, she should be telling everyone to run away, not continuing to get information. And it's like there's not cops there yet. Hopefully they're in a safe position. And people are just like, I would hang up the phone if they were asking me this many questions. Like, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to help at all. That fucker Jerry Stevens is like, if they were going to ask me this many questions, I would just go out there and take care of it. Like, oh yeah, of course you go would. do that. You tell then me. Why did to you take call the first? I place. will, I will double the ambulances, and that is all that will affect me, <laughs> right. Jerry Stevens, sixty nine. I'll just know. Okay, just right. add, add, add one more unit, one more ambulance okay. to this call. Go okay, get him, Jerry. Don't fucking call me. Yeah. Okay, Rufus81 with your six subscribers. And and, and when they call you lefty for the rest of your life, (laughs) you're going to be complaining to all of us. You're going to put that on the cops. (laughs) I know. Fuck him. He's such a tough ass. I'm going to go fight the guy with the chainsaw because a dispatcher is asking me too many questions. And, you know, my my response to all of them was like, you know, you should come up with with a packet for, like, chainsaw attack on motel. Distribute it to all your agencies. We're going to profit from your experience. Now, I know this dispatcher does it 40 hours a week, and this probably yeah. isn't even the weirdest you know, call that they've ever taken. You know better. Go ahead and type that up. Get the memo out to all the dispatchers. The entire field appreciates you help, your help. And not only that, we happen to have a shortage nationwide. Check out your, your local 9-1 dispatch office near you. Go ahead and sign up. Clean up that place. Let's get the jabronis out Look, of there, Jerry Stevens. The fact 69. that Red Shumway 11 and his seven subscribers would rather confront 
a chainsaw, you know, uh, I'm trying to, th- a John Deere chainsaw wielding drunkard than just answer a couple of questions tells you everything about Red Shumway 11. All right. We That's have destroyed the internet. We will, we will keep going with this person's description. Now, here she is. She's trying to speed the process along. Hispanic male. How old do you think? 20, 30, or 40? Honestly, age is almost as bad as race because you'll say, yeah. uh, how old are they? And they'll go, older. I'm like, older than what? <laughs> how old are you? You're nine, so everyone's older than you. I'm 40, so like about half and half people are older than me and younger than me. I have a quick question it's, for you too, John, as a dispatcher. Uh, when you identify something as an older model, are you talking about 1970s older or are you talking about 2023 older? Uh, we've talked about this before. What's funny, Drew, is that my frame of reference is stunted. Like, my brain stopped developing after about 2006. For right. me, an old car is something from, like, 1985. A current car is, like, a 99 Toyota Celica. And, like, everything else is a fucking spaceship to me. Yeah, right. Like, in Elon Musk. So, yeah, like, older model and late model are very confusing. And, and nobody knows what a sedan is these days, which is no, fine. No, nobody fucking knows. I, that <laughs> happened last night when, like, it's a regular car, and it's not even my 911 call. I'm not even talking on this one. I'm just listening to help. And I'm like, do you mean a sedan? You idiot. It's right. a sedan. Is it a bicycle with doors? But to some people, an older model would be, like, a 2021. Yeah, older. Uh, you know, like, older. It's older than 1970. Some of us drive cars older than, like, our ex-wives, you know. For me, like, my car, like, rolled off the assembly line in Canada, no less, when when Gore was still duking – or when – no, actually, not Al Gore, when uh, – uh, who's the Republican candidate in 96? Bob Dole. When he and Clinton were duking it out, this thing rolled off the line in Canada. So that's Dukakis. an old car to me. Yeah. Yeah, Rockus Dukakis in 88. Absolutely. <laughs> Remember Geraldine that Ferraro. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. She was great too. People, people forget about old Geraldine because we, because look what happened when we finally got a female vice president. <laughs> you know, Geraldine Ferrero is fucking spinning in her grave, saying, "Really, she's the first female." This is what you get, right? She's the one you wanted. You didn't want old Geraldine back in what was that seventy six? You, you won't 80? have old Geraldine to kick around. No, that was probably like eighty four. That uh, who who was that? Uh, who did she run with? It was Mondale, Mondale Ferraro, right? It was Ma- Walter Mondale, yep, and Geraldine Ferraro, yep. And so only, it would have been uh, Reagan's first, uh, it would have been Reagan Bush and Mondale Ferraro. Reagan Bush, yep. Uh, Reagan in 80, yep. <laughs> yeah, probably. A- anyway, this is a 911 show, not like uh, 20th century <laughs> politics. We know that trivia. Yeah, okay. <laughs> who, who I know, is... get us on there. <laughs> who is Olympia Dukakis? Like, we're, we're, we have gone total jeopardy on this thing. Who is Tip O'Neill? Um, <laughs> Former Speaker of the House, <laughs> Tip O'Neill. Former Speaker. Newt Gingrich. Uh, a, Ra- a Reagan Democrat, yeah. Some, all, all it took was the president getting shot You know, 10 months into his presidency, and the guy could get anything done. Uh, not making recommendations on that, just because YouTube can literally hear everything I say, and it understands that I just found out. So anyway, why don't we go on with this uh, public service-related show before the FBI pulls the court on us. All right. Uh, so... Trying to make it easy, 20, 30, 40, how old is this person? Black male, how old do you think? 20, 30, 40? 
Boys, uh, I, I'm not sure. Can you help me? Yeah, yeah, while I'm talking to you, someone else is going to dispatch my officers, but I want to give them a description. What is he wearing? What color shirt or jacket? I didn't see it because I ran away. Very good job to her to take command saying, hey, we've still got help coming. Because a lot of times they're like, would you stop asking me these damn questions? Yeah, that, that's help? what he was trying to get out. She, she headed him off at the pass. He was trying to say, like, can you just send somebody in? Yes, we've already. And so I didn't think she was too. I don't think she was too condescending about it because I would have no. said they're already coming, idiot. And then I would have said, tell me a shirt right now. And I, that's how I would have handled it. Right? No, she I mean, I mean, she may have uh, saved herself a headache if she had kind of told him that up front. But yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, you can't you can't do every chainsaw attack perfectly. Right. Anyway, he ran away, which is a fair thing to say. You would advise yep. him. Is someone there, okay, is someone there have a, a visual of him? Do you still see him in the office? Yeah, I'm, I'm on the back, in my back apartment. He's outside. Okay, so where is he? He's got a gray shirt. Does he still have the chainsaw? Yes. Okay. Does he look drunk or on drugs? Okay, commenters are back. They're big time. What does this matter? What does it matter if he's drunk or on drugs? Drew, I'm going to have a take, and then hopefully it's different than yours. So context is everything, right? That's really what she's trying to figure out. Maybe a better question is tell me exactly what happened or can you tell me what led to this or whatever. If this guy uh, just shows up and he's stumbling around and he's got a chainsaw, we're going to respond to that as an intoxicated person, possibly someone who's grossly mentally ill. If he was standing out in the parking lot, chilling, drinking a beer, and like he throws the beer down, and over the course of 10 minutes, he has an argument, which he starts gesticulating and getting angry and raising his voice, he's walking back and forth, pacing, shouting, and then walks over to the trunk, takes keys out of his pocket, opens up the trunk, gets the chainsaw, and comes back over. That's someone who's really pissed off. That's someone who got aggravated, and they're using a weapon of opportunity to intimidate someone, maybe not necessarily trying to kill them, but maybe versus the whole like what we're all picturing like madman shows up with chainsaw it's it's some kind of 80s horror movie here's johnny the reason why the reason why it's super important drew and i hope your take's different than mine just because i like extra content but we need to know if this guy's going to respond to verbal commands yeah that's unfortunately that's what i was going to say i mean he's like and i guess uh you know if somebody's in a fit of rage you might be able to throw them off their track a little bit if somebody is drunk um, you're going to have a fight on your hands, but they're also uh, impaired balance-wise, so you know that could work in your favor, actually. Uh, if they're on LSD or something, uh, or, or meth, like if they have just, uh, if, they lack, if they actually ran from Mexico to there, um, then it, it could be a problem. It could be a very serious problem, because not only are they you know, in some form of delusional, uh, psychosis or whatever you want to call it, they're going to be strong too. So it uh, may not be able to be reasoned with and with a chainsaw, that's pretty tough. I like how Drew Brees and Cuff said, thank you, Wikipedia. And I didn't see that. And I also wrote, thank you, Wikipedia. Uh, <laughs> just because we both had the exact same reaction to my sister knowing about what happened in 84 before she was born. She claims it's a song. I don't want to know that song. Uh, so, yeah, we need to know if he responds. Uh, what was it, the Daniel Shaver case where we had a guy who was the intoxicated Drew couldn't respond yeah. 
to commands, and and uh, he, he his life ended because he couldn't respond appropriately to commands. Well, which well he could. He didn't it have was, a chainsaw. Oh, he could. Okay, go he, ahead. He could. He, <laughs> Daniel Shaver's kind of a, a – a, a, it's, it's an anomaly. Um, I think that he was impaired that he wasn't playing a proper game of Simon Says, but he was in the hallway in his underwear, and I, I have my opinion about that about that case. I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I don't think that this was like a matter of, he, he didn't, he didn't respond to the, he didn't comply with their exact commands, but he was in compliance. This does get back to, however, you know, if you're going to stick a rifle out of a window at a hotel just after, you know, route 84 or whatever concert in Las Vegas, you you get what you get. Uh, because you know the cops are going to be amped up, um, and they were held to account. They went to trial and they were yeah. they were acquitted. But uh, I think that that was just a high stake games of a high stake game of um, of Simon Says, and and it's adrenaline slash alcohol doing the thinking for you when when they're telling you put your hands up, do not put your hands down, do not go to the push up. Is it you know like what? You know, it just I, I think that that was an unfortunate case. I'm sorry to bring up Daniel Shaver. I could tell that that's something you don't want to talk about as a political commentator and a police officer, that it's an, just something you don't want to bring up. But uh, you mentioned alcohol. You mentioned uh, uh, his mood. You know, that those are two things that, he, that could be like in this case. I'm not saying these two things are alike at all. I'm just saying that's something a police officer wants to know. Is this person yeah. going to respond to me? And if a dispatcher happens to get information, like why not fish? Because if the caller says, like, I don't know what's going on, but like I did see him do a line of cocaine off the off the trunk of his Toyota Tercel, you know that's helpful. You then you know, and sometimes you never know what information you're going to get just asking a question. I'll just throw it out there, case in point. Weirdest call of my entire career. I had, uh, and I'll tell this whole story. But someone broke into a car car dealership. 16-year-old girl, she wandered away from her house, went to a car dealership out in the country, brand-new car dealership. She uh, locked herself inside a car. The car was running. Uh, she had the keys in the car. She had a knife. She was cutting herself. We have nobody that – I have no premise information for who works at this dealership. We obviously need to find someone that could do that. Uh, out over the radio, weapons violation gets called out so that we have other units responding. A deputy from another county who happens to live nearby says, hey, what's going on? Do you need me to respond? I said, Yeah. This is one of those, you know, real fucked up things. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll grab my gun belt. And I said, okay, cool. Last question for you, since you live near this dealership. And this is because I was asked to do something. I had, I had no other option. I said, do you know anyone that works there? I had no reason to ask this random police officer if he knew someone that worked at the dealership. No reason at all. A YouTuber would say that's a stupid question. <laughs> right. But right. He, says, he says, yeah, I went to the police academy with the guy, and he just retired, and he works out there. I said, you call him. Do not give me his phone number. You call him. Tell his ass to show up to the dealership. Goodbye, because I was super busy. Long story short, I called OnStar. I had them disable the vehicle. I could only do that after I had a deputy leap onto the hood very bravely, get the VIN, because his vehicle wasn't registered, so he couldn't read a license plate. It was his last year before retirement. I swear to God that I was going to send that guy to his death right before he retired. The true style of lethal weapon. So, you never know what you're going to get when you ask a question. Fantastic. I'm putting it back on the screen. Sorry for telling that story. It is a great story, though. I love that story. Uh, uh, yes. Um, I don't know where it went. Who removed it? Dad, like, did you remove it? Because if, if I hit no, it's removed. still there. No, 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 no. It just oh. it got removed from the. Yeah. 
Thank you. Okay. All right. Thanks, Deadleg. Here we go. I'm going to keep it going. I have no clue. Okay. Does he look like he's got a mental illness or anything? <laughs> that may be right. A, stupid question. <laughs> right. That may be a bad question. I mean, is he wearing? Might be a, a bad shirt? question. <laughs> But but she's trying she's trying to get some context, and I get that the way she asked it made her sound stupid. I understand that, but she wants to know what the hell's going on. Give me some background. Tell me what the hell's happening here. So you don't like the way it was phrased. It sounds like a stupid question, but she's trying to get more information. And it could be that she's doing ten other things, and she's trying to keep the com- the person talking to get them to say something helpful. So you don't know if he's drunk or on drugs. What's he doing right now outside? I'm not sure. He's just yelling with the chainsaw. Okay. He might be drunk. He's, he's basically going up with the gas. He's, he's actually outside with the chainsaw. Okay, so he's outside the office? Yes. He's Hispanic, probably in, the, in his 30s. Okay, so Hispanic male, 30s. He's got on a gray shirt. What color pants? Uh, I am not sure. Okay, and where are you located? I'm right in the office. Okay, so you're back in the office? important because they're trying to get the police officers there as fast as possible into the right place right yeah mm-hmm. I, I mean the only thing that i i see that she's missing is uh she didn't ask what color his goalie mask was that's what a sarcastic jerry steven 69 will say is like they didn't ask this i would say the one thing that she really missed out on is if he's outside and they can see the parking lot and if he's possibly a tenant if they have a vehicle description maybe there's cameras yeah. in the office that could see that because if he leaves the scene in a vehicle, it might be nice to know what that is. Well, yeah. Is he a registered guest? Like, in other words, can we identify him later? But, um, you know, the, the, these are things that maybe I would be thinking of, but perhaps, a, a, you know, just a 911 dispatcher that was hit from left field with the chainsaw call wouldn't yeah. be thinking of. Like the backside? He's right at the, at the front desk. So near the front desk? I can the police I see the police car. Okay, you see the officer? Yeah, Always a relief. Okay, and did you see any other weapons besides the chainsaw? He's in that car. He's in that car. That, that green. He's in a green car? There you go. He's in that car. I'm, I'm talking to the police officer. He got into a green car? Yeah, the police officer, I believe they got him. Okay, all right, I'll go ahead and let you go. Just stay in the office and we'll come talk to you when we've got things settled, okay? Any final thoughts on that, Drew? No. 
I, I mean, you know, okay. w- w- no, the, there are no final thoughts. Like, uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, when when people do uh, construction crews come into town, they stay at places like Motel Six or whatever. You get these calls because they have equipment like that. I mean, you know, they keep it in their rooms because they get it stolen out in the parking lot all the time. So um, this isn't, it's not like, uh, it's it's like a crazy notion that there's a chainsaw at the Motel 6. I mean, if there's going to be a, mo- yeah. if there's going to be a chainsaw anywhere in the in the urban yeah. area, it's going to be at the Motel 6. Yeah, that, they Motel 6, Super 8, but generally nothing above that. I'm no. going to go ahead and throw on, <laughs> throw on uh, the video portion, and I'll let you take control just because this is kind of police time, so... Uh, this is taken from two separate body cams and kind of put together in chronological order. And uh, I'll throw it up on the screen for you to control, Drew, okay? Awesome. And we'll start We'll start by talking about our suspect, who we've identified after the fact. This is Ronald Zendejas. He is a 36-year-old Hispanic male from Carson City, Nevada. His weapon of choice is, of course, the chainsaw. He's our player for tonight going up against Sparks PD. So uh, he's the person that was uh, identified in this case. Now, stage one. Stage one is the Motel 6. We'll leave the light on for you. Uh, Micah does bring a a good point. Was he wearing a plaid shirt? Because he could be a lumberjack. So I I understand that question. We're going to start with uh, video that actually starts inside the motel office. So there's no audio. We're looking inside the office of a Motel 6. There's a, uh, a person who's blurred out who's probably a caller or owner or the manager. He's shouting outside of the lobby that he left the door open, which is tactical error. And uh, Mr. Zendaya, uh, the door's open. <laughs> Whoops. Has a chainsaw in his hand. You're normally going to want to go ahead and close that. I know it's going to be sort of an industrial shining when he comes in and says, here's Johnny. Now he's standing back in the employee area. He has it in his left hand. It doesn't appear to be engaged, however it could be. He's not really raising it or threatening anybody with it. He is gesticulating like he's yelling. John, you could see when uh, when there was a there's some type of half door there, but you could actually see sawdust flying. So um, there is no okay. sound to this, but uh, you know, just judging by the video, you could tell that the the chainsaw is active. You, you can tell it's moving because he's okay. cutting things with it. Go ahead. Imagine chainsaw sounds, if you will. Ring, 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 ring. Yes, very good, Drew. That was excellent, actually. So now he's kind of standing outside. Uh, this is when uh, the 911 call that we just heard is taking place. We could kind of see him waiting outside. So he's not coming in. He's not. He's not slashing with it. He's not going nuts. He actually kind of looks. We know he's pissed off that he's got him. He's got a chainsaw going but he looks sort of sedately waiting outside drew any initial impressions about him based on the way that he's walking or knocked over a table there go ahead yeah quite quite obviously pissed i mean he kicked his way into the the secure area of the place so obviously he's mad about something i don't know if he didn't get any towels or what um but he's um he cut his way through that that half door which slowed him down enough i think it was that was more of a statement he probably could have just opened it uh, but also, we know that the um, the clerk, the t- the manager or whatever, the one that was calling nine one one, and then there was somebody else there. They they went into separate rooms and locked themselves in that room, in those rooms. So when he went out to that like, you know, inner sanctum or that 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 middle lobby area, and sat on the table, he was just sitting there waiting. He's waiting for someone to come out, and uh, 
that's a pretty good indicator that he's he's not leaving. He's holding a chainsaw and he's waiting for you to come out of the door. Uh, you know, it's probably encouraging that he hasn't cut down the door that you're hiding behind. But uh, at the same time, if he's not leaving or he hasn't set the chainsaw down, then he's still a threat. So the first uh, body cam uh, is uh, an officer that's pulling up. Uh, we thank uh, Police Activity for this uh, YouTube video. Uh, I am a subscriber to their Patreon, by the way. Um, so he you at? see an officer walking up. Where is he Where's at? Where is he at? I think they're over there. Yeah, they're, they're, they're here right now. The roomie attack him. was occupied. All right. Thank you. Right. So there was a room right next to the to the uh, office that was uh, that was attacked by this chainsaw. I, I had the feeling it was the manager's private quarters or whatever. Stop! Police! Let me see your All hands! Right. Don't fucking drive, man! Stop the car! Suspects in a car and is backing out. The officer has his gun out and is uh, pointing the gun at him. And uh, he just continues to back out. So the officer is not putting himself in front of the car or at the rear of the car. But, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen with this guy behind the wheel, especially if he's wielding a chainsaw. And you don't know what he has in the car either. You could have a gun in there or whatever. Green sedan. That's a sedan. <laughs> yes, we both have the same. Stop the fucking car! Stop Sparks 91, he's taking off on us to Chasing on foot, yeah, because all he did was pop the meeting. I think he did. Uh, I, I, I don't know if we'll be able to replay it, but I think he did pick up a rock and was gonna probably bash the window in, which is probably a wise move, like, yeah. Use the tools you got. Yep. You know, he, he crashed into these landscaping rocks. Um, he saw the two officers had, had you know, like he had only made it a couple hundred yards from the parking lot before he crashed the first time. Uh, so then, uh, you know, the officers were going to smash the window. So then he takes off again, and this is where he ends up smashing into the car wash. Many police officers... Yeah, That's uh, David and Goliath is uh, the manufacturer of that. So, um, so what he did was uh, while he was fleeing from the rocky area towards the car wash, which would be the wrong way on the on the street anyway, he backed into or ran into uh, an officer's car. Now you got officers running all over the place. You have him running into cars, running running into police cars. So it's pretty obvious he's not complying at that point. Either he's too drunk to uh, want to comply, or he's done something very bad. So these guys know that, and they uh, they they know that from the call itself, they have a crime that has been committed because the guy threatened people with an active chainsaw, and then of course upon police presence. All of a sudden, this guy wants to take off. So uh, they got a pretty good indication that this is the the right person, and uh, they're dealing with it. Show me your hands! Stop! All right. So now the the officer was not in front of the vehicle. The officer was off to the nine o'clock position of the vehicle, basically. And uh, I don't know where the other officer is at this point, but nobody was in 
being uh, nobody put themselves in the in the way of the vehicle. However, when it took off, uh, they began a volley of shots into the car. So you may wonder, uh, you know, where's the threat? Well, the threat's behind the wheel. And in in the the um, when you think about uh, the use of deadly force, it's the imminent threat of death or great bodily harm to yourself or someone else. Can you justify, can you say uh, with good conscience that this guy is a threat to the, to the safety of yourself or somebody else? He's driving in an that community pound bullet, <clears throat> an older model sedan. And he, and he's, uh, you know, probably intoxicated and he has some type of chainsaw and uh, he's evading police by running into their cars and he's jumping over medians. And it's, it's just, it's readily apparent that he is, he is not coherent. He's not in this, you know, he's not operating on earth right now. You know what I mean? Um, so they made the decision and they, they used their gun. Stop! He's not going anywhere. <laughs> Drove across the street. Now he's he's running to a wall. Go ahead, John. He's he's driven across the street, kind of haphazardly, got into the wall. How many shots went into the passenger side window there? Would you say five, six, maybe? Yeah, four or five. Okay, it was. Yeah, they were they were four shots. or five because because there were shots from the from the rear of the vehicle as well. Yeah, I think they shot out the back window. There may have been more than four or five. Yeah, but I thought he just went pop, 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 pop. Yep. Uh, just one comment in there about re- referring to the rock. I believe it was uh, David who said, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't you want to use an ASP on the window? One thing I could tell you as a correctional officer, as I was issued an ASP and I have used an ASP and I have received extensive training in using an ASP. An ASP is a body, or excuse me, is a weapon designed to be used against the human body. It's not designed to be used against a window. You have tempered safety glass. It's not, it's not designed to shatter. Uh, and fall in if you have an impact like that. A rock's big enough that it's going to go all the way through and take some of the window with it. Um, the other thing about asps not being issued very much anymore is because an asp is actually a deadly weapon. If you strike somebody in the head with an asp, it could kill them. You're supposed to strike someone. Uh, there's different places you can do it, but one place is the is the outside of the thigh. It's called the common peroneal. It's part of the motor cortex. It disables someone's ability to stand up. Uh, a lot of police officers are not using asps, but an asp wouldn't be effective against a window. Drew, it wouldn't be that effective. I mean, I, I've used it to to rescue a baby or something, you know, out of a locked car or whatever, or a dog, or you know, we've used the asp to break and rake a window. Or, uh, but in this case too, the 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 window is tinted, I believe, so the tint is going to hold whatever together you know if you if you put the, the just the ball the tip of the asp is going to go through the window and it's probably just going to put a little tiny hole through it uh which will probably shatter the safety glass but then you got work to do so you're right like throwing a boulder through there is probably going to be a lot more effective just to be honest i mean you, you work with what you got yep all right so they are now approaching the vehicle Park 391 shots fired Getting on the radio, Sparks 391 shots fired. Don't get behind his car. They're communicating well, telling each other, do not get behind his car because they don't want him to back out and run anybody over. That's uh, We don't want to create an exigency either. Let me see your hands. He's got the gas on his foot on the gas. 
he's got his foot on the gas. So he's he's basically, uh, you know, John, like when I held your forehead like that and you were just swinging at me and Clayton, he is just uh, stuck against the wall. You laughed like he got his foot on the gas. Be careful. I don't know. I can't tell. Let me see hands. Arriba. Déjame ver los manos. Apaga el carro ahorita. Apaga el carro. Déjame ver los manos. Good leadership there, right, Drew? Apaga el carro ahorita. Yep. Great communication. Uh, you're going to see another fine example of uh, of thinking uh, thinking in a time of crisis too. Uh, in about two seconds. I cannot. So nobody can see him. They don't know what he's doing. They don't know if he's ducked down with a gun. They don't know Watch if he's out. got he's the got chainsaw still. The they don't know if he's dead. They don't know anything. You're, Senor, you're about to see. Him. All right, so you got a, a, I think it's a supervisor that just rolls in the parking lot with a huge pickup truck, and he just gets right behind the uh, the vehicle and crunches into the back bumper, which is going to prevent that vehicle from going forward or backwards because, you know, he's he's against the wall, and he's got his foot on the gas, um, and then he can't obviously can't back up. So he's not going anywhere at this point. Look, you, you got to play you, you just... First of all, when it unfolds and you do it, if it worked, it was a great tactic. If it didn't work, then Jesus, what are you doing? Uh, but I think in this case, it worked out perfectly. There was no indication that he had any other gun or any other weapon rather than than the chainsaw. So getting that close might be okay. They're still holding deadly force on the guy. Um, and they got to do something, right? So um, I, I think that this was a good move. I mean, I don't want to contradict anything I've said before, but I think in the other case that we talked about, that guy was specifically had a gun. So, you know, getting close to him was probably a little bit more difficult. He's uh, lay down, LT. Back off. Back off. Hey, back off. Back off. Back off. Back off. Back off. Back off. LT is occupied by one Hispanic male. Hey, back off the car and get right with the long guns and all that. Alright, we'll move the motorcycle. You guys cover it. Move up, bro. You got you're gonna be my lethal going up too. We're gonna grab him and yank him out of the car. Stop it. If it's open. Got him. Alright, here we go. Okay, these are great commands that the, that the LT is giving out here. He, he's uh, they pull him out of the car. They first of all, he was standing behind the car and behind the truck, so he could see both sides. He could see you know all parties, and that's why he was telling everybody back off, back off, back off. They don't want a crossfire situation if he's going to run up there and pull somebody out of the car, or if somebody's going to run up there and pull somebody out of the car. Um, so there's that. 
uh, once he has established control and there's some form of stability, he got the intel, okay, there's one Hispanic male, he's slumped over at the wheel. Um, they decided to make their approach from the driver's side because that's more the most likely where you're going to be able to retrieve him from. And they did. They approached. And then he said, um, he, he said, uh, the, the, now it's time to, to get, when they pull him out of the car and they see he's full of holes or whatever, it's rescue mode now. So once the scene is stable, you have to go into a life-saving mode. Uh, you know, that's, you're trying to neutralize the threat, but it's, it doesn't mean that you get to execute somebody. So, uh, they have a, a, a duty to kind of, you know, act towards, uh, saving this guy's life. And what the Lieutenant was saying was, did you shoot? And he said, yes. And he said, okay, back off. You know, like you get out of here. In, in other words, probably wisely, he's saying, if you're the one that, whose bullets came out, you've got the most to lose if he dies or he, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, it's probably best to take him out of that situation, especially if you have other people there. And there was, there were medics close by as we'll see in a second, I think. No, that was, that was oh, the that end was of the it. End. Uh, and so, yeah, dispatch, as soon as they heard sh shots fired I, and pro possibly before that man with the chainsaw, they probably put an ambulance. on. Yeah. I, I hope so nearby. because I never heard anybody ask for it, but there was somebody else working a radio other than, the person that was on the body cam. So, yeah, a any good dispatcher. I mean, they were probably w man with a chainsaw. It's so dangerous. You, you, whether it's a victim, the suspect, or anyone responding, you're probably going to have them paged out and ready to go. So, they rolled around the corner. I believe uh, this gentleman uh, did pass away. So, yeah, sorry, but you're just going to be a skeleton playing a xylophone soon. Um, <laughs> do not, uh, do not. Do not attack people with a chainsaw is the lesson. And I'm sorry you had to learn it this way. Uh, it, it came out that uh, he was intoxicated. So the dispatcher was right to kind of ask some of those background questions. Unfortunately, I don't know why the, the owner didn't know that. But uh, he had come into the office. He was being belligerent. Shouting match had gone back and forth. He had come in and out several times before the chainsaw even came into it. So they were having an altercation long before the chainsaw happened. Honestly, 911 probably should have been called at that point for a disorderly subject without a weapon. It's possible they did call him. We didn't hear that call. Uh, it's also possible that this is Motel 6. And it's par for the course. And you kind of got to take care of your own shit when you work at Motel 6 or you never get any yeah. work done. I think that's entirely possible. Uh, so last point, Drew, and I guess I'll have you talk on this. Normal, abnormal, good, bad, and different. It was only uh, recently that these officers were uh, justified in this shooting, saying that uh, unless any more information comes to light, this was a justified shooting of this guy behind the car. Mm -hmm. Three years, those officers had to live you know, with uh, what happened, thinking about it every day, wondering if they were going to be exonerated or put into a Ben Darby situation where they get tried and convicted of murder. You know, For three years, their, their lives and their futures all hung in the balance. What a terrible price they had to pay for that. So anyone who thinks police officers are going out there and plugging people to satisfy their murder instinct doesn't know the suffering that they have to endure even when they're right. Yeah. But Drew, what do you think about it taking three years to clear these guys of any wrongdoing? Uh, I think that's the norm these days. I, I mean, I, I, well, no, I don't want to say that's the norm. This, this happened on May the 4th, 2020, and they were cleared October 16th, 2023. So literally like two weeks ago. Um, so yeah, three years to make this decision. Uh, I'm sure that everything was carefully scrutinized. Uh, something to point out. Um, this was, was it the Sparks police or was it the, um, Washoe County Sheriff's office? But at any rate, the Reno 
police department is the one that did the the investigation, it, or maybe it was the other way around. But at, at any rate, the the, the um, the, I know that they have a they have a collective of agencies where if they have an officer involved thing they have another agency from that cluster will kind of yeah a lot of jurisdictions are going to that or doing that I, I don't even think that they did that I think that they just uh, on this one I think that they just used the opposite you know like the Reno PD is going to do this investigation and it was supplemented by the people from that from the from Washoe or wherever it was and. Um, you know, th- they justified it based on the fact that he was a threat. I mean, he was a threat to other people. He wasn't necessarily an immediate threat to the officer there or whatever. But, I mean, just based on his his behavior, when you take in totality, his behavior, the reason that they were there in the first place, what he did when the police got there, and what he was trying to do since the police were there, um, I-, I think it's probably you know though it took three years it's probably a little bit uh easier to justify that look this guy was about to commit you know uh imminent death or great bodily harm to to other citizens and uh the use of deadly force was authorized if they hadn't shot like let's play some what if games if he had what when he got shot that's when he took the hits that's when he drove straight forward he was obviously you know his cardiopulmonary system was compromised at that time to the point where he was at least unconscious by the time he hit the wall, which is when the threat, you know, was neutralized in actuality or thereabouts. But if they had not shot him and he was still had full command of his physical faculties and he had turned the wheel going the wrong way or the correct way down uh, Victoria Boulevard or whatever this is, this guy's already gone after somebody with a chainsaw. Now he's got a car. You're talking about a, a possible pursuit situation, him hitting someone intentionally, unintentionally. Now you're talking about directly involving innocent people in a situation that's now outside the police and their perimeter and where the officers are responding. If they hadn't fired, they would have let him go down the street with a deadly weapon. Uh, It's the same thing as practically an an active shooter, maybe not in terms of the number of casualties he can do in a very, very short amount of time, but but possibly, because if there's people out walking around and he mows them all down, I mean, we have seen that, you know, we have seen people driving stealing cars in nevada and running down people on on bicycles i mean we've seen this yeah that that will happen it's not hypothetical to even engage in that so in my mind they they left him or he left them no choice you have to remember he was in charge of that situation they had to use uncommon force to regain control of that situation he had a chainsaw he had control over the person in the motel he jumped in the car he was not responding to the officer they were trying to attempt to gain control over him he would not respond to verbal tactics which if he had just complied he'd be alive and well to this day he didn't comply he took off with the car the the officers were put in a position where they had no choice but they had to neutralize threat to protect the public which is what they get paid to do it's not about shooting anybody of any persuasion or any particular kind other than somebody who's dangerous to the community police officers need to be able to go out there police and protect the community and it just hasn't seemed like it's been that easy for them over the past couple of years. So I just wanted to show this case. Great job to Sparks PD. Great job to Sparks PD Communications, that dispatcher. I know you're taking a lot of heat. I haven't been in your exact position, but I've been in one of those where you're like, there is no call protocol for chainsaw attack on a no. motel. You do the best you can. You gather the information you can. You try to keep them calm. Try to keep them safe. I think you did a good job, even if, you know, so-and-so doesn't not – they're not impressed by you. I know what your job is like, and I'm proud of you. Good job. Yeah, I am too. Uh, th- so the uh, the DA's report is available online. It's 45 pages, but uh, page 37, use of deadly force to effect arrest. 
it says NRS, which is probably, you know, Nevada code or whatever, 117-1455, provides in relevant part, quote, if necessary to prevent escape, an officer may, after giving warning, if feasible, use deadly force to affect the arrest of a person only if there's probable cause to believe that the person poses a threat of serious bodily harm to the officer or to others. So, uh, end quote. So th- th- that's essentially what went into their analysis. I mean, that's the part of the statute that they analyzed. Um, and they uh, reviewed, uh, you know, they interviewed multiple people. They interviewed uh, or they uh, reviewed all of the evidence. There was an incident in the lobby where um, the female, uh, there was a female working at the desk where he he punched through the plexiglass and knocked the plexiglass out. So that was kind of what set everything in motion. He must have left there at that point and got the chainsaw and came back. So, um, you know, this obviously was uh, him escalating, not de-escalating, as, uh, as people like to use all the time. So um, yeah. it, it just, uh, unfortunately, he was shot and killed. He was hit in the right temple and in the neck. Well, uh, it's we don't root for death, but uh, we also don't root for police officers and private citizens getting mowed down with chainsaws or with cars. So it's unfortunate. You don't. You, we don't know. We'll never know really what was going on with him. You wouldn't think that alcohol would push a man to chain go after someone with a chainsaw, <laughs> right. but you know, uh, I guess it's you know, like I said, I've I've heard nunchuck and machete calls, and so you never know. And you know, people people act out. You know weapons of opportunity and you'll hear things on on the radio or you'll be dispatching weird things so you know people are commenting and saying this guy's he clearly has a mental illness he's the guy with the chainsaw go down there and take him out stop asking all these stupid questions it's always more complicated than that and a dispatcher asking you questions is trying to get you to help the situation maybe give them a little credit that they have done this before this is like something you're going to tell your grandson about but they do this every week there's always something like this going on and even if they don't have the perfect questions for you, you got to trust them that they can do their job. And I, I, the just it makes me sick to see the common person saying that they could do better or they know better when they haven't sat in the seat and they haven't picked up the phone when it rang. They have no idea. Yep. I, I st- like I, I said, I did a little hit on local news the other day. Uh, there, there are plenty of openings. <laughs> I mean, if you want to come exercise – yeah, if you want to come show uh, how good you can do things, uh, come be a dispatcher, come be a, a cop, and, and show us how easy it is. Yeah, and since you think it's so easy, I'll tell you that right now this job will reject you, so we'll never even get to hear your comments on or hear your questions on a YouTube show because this job will wash you out since you think you, you know so well. You can't even go into this job with a mentality like that. You've got to come into it with a learning mentality. We have no voicemails this week. Nobody called me, not even from Jim from Florida. Are you even menting me anymore? I feel very unmented. I'm without any guidance right now. What the heck's going on? Drew is full of himself because he's like, he's no news is good news to him. He thinks Jim's at least at least totally apathetic about his existence. Oh, he's out to get me. There's no, t- there's no two ways about it. Uh, uh, could we get Jim on at some point? Or mm, who is Jim? Or that, might be a, to say? that might be tough. Okay. It, it, <laughs> It, it uh, Jim may may have uh, been who I was going to meet for lunch when I saw the uh, Foviet Union oh. on strike. Oh. Um, so let me. Uh, well, uh, let, what what was the other word that you created the other day that I, I would like to oh, discuss? Uh, and antagonation. Okay, so antagonation is a valid word. I think John said it. Therefore, it is a word. It doesn't necessarily mean it's 
you know, in Webster's, but we, we have an internet has... now. We don't need Webster anymore. Yeah. Webster died, by there... the way, and so did George Hallis. So <laughs> George Hallis also died? Yeah. I like how you threw him in. George Hallis No, what, what was that guy's name? Not George Hallis. Who, who was the guy that was on Webster? Dick Buckus. I don't yeah, know. Dick George Buckus. Hallis founded the Bears. I yeah, think. right. Well, <laughs> well, he did die. I mean, I'm not being conjectural he, he, he has passed away and he was sort of instrumental in the foundation of the cowboys as well so i'm not anti-george hallis but uh, yeah you anyway no there's there's a line in one of the avengers movies which normally is not known for its great lines but um uh somebody's talking to thor or something and, and they're like uh somebody said something like that's made up and then thor says all words are made up and i'm like mind blown right like Somebody needed to call something something at one point, and they didn't have a word for it, so they just invented it. So, antagonation, you're welcome, people. Uh, normally, I have a pretty good lexicon, but uh, it doesn't always work perfectly, So, especially when I'm sick. Especially when I'm hosting a free entertainment show for people on the internet to enjoy at their leisure. Working hard, all for you. Uh, no, I'll take your criticism. Do I have this? It, obviously. Is this the, uh, what do they call it? The Mandela effect? Uh, is, is Mangala Webster? effect. Mangala effect? Did I, did I just yeah. Mandela the Mangala effect? There's a lot of people who remember Joseph Mengele never being captured, escaping Germany and like going to South America and the government knew where he was and they had just let him go. And then there's some people who remember Joseph Mengele being apprehended in Dayton, Ohio in okay. like 1949. So, so there's people remember it differently and that's why it's called the Mengele effect. So is he alive? Is Webster alive? Emmanuel Lewis? I, I think I think Webster's dead and I think George Hallis is dead, at least in the dimension I come from. <laughs> Dick Dick Butkus literally just died. He was on that show. Dick, Dick Butkus died. Yeah, I'm looking George at a Hallis Wikipedia page died. that does not give a date of death. It says that he was born March 9th, 1971, uh, but it doesn't show that he is. Uh, the guy that created the dictionary was born in 1971. Yes, Emmanuel Lewis. Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought Emmanuel Lewis was a boxer. No, he's a wide receiver, I believe. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I don't. <laughs> nobody knows. Fuck. We look things up and we're more confused. Right. This is why we can't, we can't be in charge of a trivia show. Look, next week we're going to bring you a game show. We're back to doing game shows. We're doing a game show. We're, we're doing, doing a game show. So, uh, doing a game show. I, I can't wait for that because I'm going to be stoked. I'm going to be, uh, slipping out of town for, uh, for something, uh, the, the following day. So uh, I'm going to pre-record with uh, Eric and and Mr. Rizzo, Captain Rizzo, uh, that day probably, and then slide right into the comm center. We're going to have a fun game show. Uh, You're all going to be educated and and hopefully participating. And we will do our best to know the answers to our own questions. Yes. And if not, we're going to make it up and speak with confidence. And even though we're proven wrong time and time again, we will respond with confidence uh i'll do the last ad and then do some cross promotion Drew. i don't it. know if you're aware cross promotion is always good oh, so yeah uh factor meals we talked about earlier folks uh you're a busy person uh you need to feed yourself right go get a, a chicken breast get a broccoli you deserve it feed yourself properly you can go online you can get over 300 meal options you can have fresh not frozen food delivered right to your house it's like reverse trick-or-treating yourself but not with empty calories and sugar you're treating yourself properly you're making your life easier. Today with Bidenomics, with gasoline, with the cost of your time, with everything else you have to do, 
Wouldn't it just be easier if you could come home and you had that meal ready to go? You can microwave. It takes two seconds, or excuse me, two minutes to be fair in the microwave. Comes out delicious just like mom cooked it. You can also cook it conventionally if you really want to treat yourself. Go on there. You'll be surprised what you can find. I stand by it at 100%. They sent me free meals so I could try it so that I wasn't talking out of my butt. I love Factor Meals. Go out there and try it now. Use uh, the offer code WOLFPACK50. You could save yourself some money on Factor Meals. They're supporting us. If you love us and if you love me, and I know that it's mostly me, go over there, get a Factor Meal, tell them John sent you with WOLFPACK50. They're going to give a kickback to me, which keeps me going, keeps the whole failure to stop train going. We love that. Uh, failure to stop is a full family of shows. Guys, we have over 400 shows, okay? On Monday, you got Uncuff with JRL. They break down hilariously all the news that's going on in the Thin Blue Line. Tuesday is True Crime with Kendra Drama, a former police officer and an all-around super cool cat. Formerly my wife, we are now divorced. We are forced to do that show as a condition of our divorce. However, things are going okay. Uh, give her a shot. She's super interesting. We just finished up a whole five Tuesdays of Halloween. It was an absolute blast. I love recording with Kendra. She's awesome. Wednesday, all the news that you need to not sound like a friggin' a-hole. Eric and various people, as Dadleg has been missing in action, have stepped in, and they're talking about everything that's going on in the world that you need to know about. So when you're pulling people over, you can worry about World War III instead of whether or not this person has a, has a weapon on them. Thursday is the comm center. We're going to be back with a game show. It's everybody's on favorite fire. thing. Will Cray probably going to win again. I'm going to have to drive over to Laura. Laura and buy him a burrito or whatever. I, I don't know what the prize will be. We'll figure it out wherever you live. Please... Please uh, check in on that. Uh, tell your friends. Pass it on. Friday's the big show. It's the reason why Failure to Stop exists at all. Failure to sh Stop is the show that was conceived in the balls of Mike the Cop, and it was lovingly nurtured at the teat of Eric Tanzi and raised to broad maturity in the loving arms and bosom of Drew Breezy. I am also here. Failure to Stop's your favorite show. Support it. Like, give us a great review on iTunes. Pass it on. Help it grow. If we're not growing, we're shrinking. So help us, help us, guys. Give us what we need. You know what we need. Subscribe on YouTube. Patreon's got great shit. Love you, dead leg. Drew. Don't, guns up. Guns up. Giddy up. Don't get yourself calm centered. Don't get yourself calm centered. Good guns up. Giddy up. Good night, America. A hundred years of calm center. One hundred shows. Episodes. Thousand episodes. One th the year three thousand twenty will be appearing on the one thousandth episode. Famous golfer Emmanuel Lewis, right here. <laughs> failures. Ray stop. Lewis. Thank you. Ray Lewis. Guns up. Giddy up. The growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Shootings in New York City have more than doubled this year.